Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. We are so glad to share with you today on Soul Talks. We have a special treat for you. We have uh, Trevor Hudson with us here, and he is in South Africa, and we are in Irvine, California, but we are connected, and we're connected with you wherever you are around the world. Thank you for joining Christy and I in this conversation. And uh, Trevor, thank you for joining our friends. Bill, Christy, this is a a, a wonderful gift for me. Thank you so much, and a very uh, just a a warm hello from South Africa to all those who are watching and listening. Many of you know the name Trevor Hudson, but if not, he's an ordained minister in South Africa, a writer, teacher on spiritual formation and spiritual direction. Uh, he and his wife Debbie have two adult children, and uh, Trevor is the author of a new book that we are excited about called Seeking God, Finding Another Kind of Life with St. Ignatius and Dallas Willard. And Trevor, I really appreciate the excellent job that you've done in this book of really synthesizing and correlating the work of these two godly men, great men of God, wise, uh, most importantly, their life with God that you are talking about and have synthesized such so well, Ignatius of Loyola and Dallas Willard. And I just loved your book and I'm excited to share it with those who have joined us on this Soul Talk. These two men have really had a great impact on our life and ministry too. Their mm, lives and mm, teaching have inspired mm. us, they've instructed us. And so you've just done a great job introducing them to the reader. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Christy. Most of you on Soul Talks know that Christy and I have read every book that Dallas has written and reread it and <laughs> listened to practically every, every talk he's given and just steeped ourselves in uh, Dallas Willard's thinking, his understanding of scriptures and uh, the spiritual life and so forth. And you may not know that Ignatius of Loyola has also had a big impact on us. When we took our sabbatical seven years ago, we did the Ignatian exercises, had a, an Ignatian spiritual director, and were profoundly mm -hmm. impacted by that whole school mm -hmm. of spirituality. And so, Trevor, you have done something beautiful that I never thought of. You, you've taken two of the best writers and spiritual mentors and put them together in, in your book, Seeking God. Yes, you know, I think, well, as you've hinted at already, you know, God seemed to have worked amazingly in both their lives in very different contexts. And I think both of them were really agents of deep renewal and reformation. You know, Ignatius in his Spanish Catholic world uh, of the 16th century, Dallas, in his own world in the USA, particularly in the evangelical world. And I think, I think I've always had this intuitive sense that they were both echoing each other in some of the fundamental ways in which we follow Christ. And uh, I just wanted to bring those two voices together and then add my South African voice to the conversation as well. You yeah. did a great job of that. One of the ways that you've done that is you've got these uh, Seeking God exercises in your book, which 
Uh, we just love that. In Soul Shepherding, we really like to give people mm -hmm. practical mm -hmm. tools, ways to really engage with the Lord and, and reflect on, on their, their feelings, their experiences. And so you've done that in your book. Uh, one of our favorites is in chapter two on page 20, and you uh, do, do a Seeking God exercise there. I think the one that you're referring to is when I'm with the group of 30-year-olds uh, and I, 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 I ask them what they're looking for uh, in, their, in their relationship with God. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. the exercise you're referring to. You're lucky because you have the book. I don't have the book yet. So, so I, I kind of electronically counted the pages and I think I got the right question. But that was the one I think on page yeah. 20. Yeah, that one where you encourage us to think of one word that is really representative in our life right now. One word. And right. as I did that seeking, because I did all the seeking exercises as I read, because I, I love them. I wanted to really embrace and get the most I could out of the book. We also did everything that Dallas would tell us to do on retreats and things that he did. It just, it's so helpful to really get not just information when you sure. read the book, but to sure. read it with Jesus and to, to right. do it with Jesus and to really right. let the Lord minister to you personally and that's what i loved about these seeking exercises so in this one where you asked us to come up with one word to represent our life right now i chose the word dependent because it's a vulnerable uh, time in my life right now my mom is dying of cancer i have two of our three daughters are pregnant and expecting a baby here anytime sure. our ministry is growing and i'm very aware that there's a part of me that is like used to controlling the calendar and would like to be able to schedule in the, the time that my mom dies and have all this great meaningful time with her in this transition and to be there for the birth of my grandchildren and the reality is i can't manage all of this it's it's very obvious to me i'm dependent upon god and his sovereignty and his love over the timing of these things and being present to him in all that he's given me that's crescendoing all at once here. And that that really is the way our life with God is. It's we're dependent all the time. It's just there's sometimes like this where it's very obvious to me how yeah. dependent I am. And it feels vulnerable. But I think it also I loved how you wrote how it's our life with God in the present ordinary lives that you're writing about here, not the monastery times. Yes, and I think I think the one thing that I think that has helped me to to grasp at a very very deep level was that that you know God God has this wonderful way of meeting us in those places uh, of deepest deepest vulnerability. Um, and dependence, as you've mentioned, that they kind of become key places of very deep encounter uh, with, with Christ in our lives, in our everyday lives, as you're saying. Yes, and I think your, your vulnerability even in the book shows that because I think in general, at least in America, I would imagine it's the same in South Africa, that sometimes we want to avoid the vulnerability, distract ourselves sure. from it. We want sure. to think we've got everything going well. And sure. yet, like you said, that vulnerability really is a, an invitation. Mm -hmm. One of the great blessings in seeking God, 
Trevor, is that you help us see that it's safe to be vulnerable with God and uh, the, the true followers of Jesus because you and uh, both uh, St. Ignatius and Dallas Willard were uh, exceptional at this in their, their theology and their, their communication to present the, the, the grace of God, the, the, the tender heart of God, the, the unconditional love of God, and just showing us that, that God is someone we, we want to submit to. And in your teaching about repentance as being, being grace-filled and, and not condemning, uh, I'd love for you just to share about that because that, that's one of the themes in your book that's so helpful for us. Thank you, Bill. You know, I really wanted to, uh, I really wanted to frame repentance as a good news word. Um, you know, because I think, I think many folk, and I think I say this in the book, that if they see a door over there which says repentance, they're not too sure that they want to, they're not too sure whether they want to walk through that door yeah. and what they're going to find inside the room. And I think Dallas, um, uh, you know, he had this kind of th throwaway story that he would, you know, that you kind of walking down a passageway and there's a banqueting room um, kind of, you know, running off the passage and someone says to you, turn into the banqueting room. Uh, and, and kind of with that image gave me a, a different sense of what repentance is, that it's not, that it's not a threat to me, but it's a, it's really a graceful invitation to, to step into another kind of life and you know i think obviously there's that wonderful announcement by jesus that the kingdom's available uh the kingdom of heaven and step into it a turn around it's there and it i kind of grew up with these you know some of these terrible slogans like repent for the end is nigh or repent or turn or burn and it, mm -hmm. and somehow repentance just it it didn't have a it didn't have an an attractiveness about it, uh, and I think over the years I've come to I've come to see repentance as perhaps one of the most beautiful words um, in the New Testament, and and especially uh, when it's on the lips of of Jesus Himself. So 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 I'm. I'm in the business of wanting to, to, to reframe repentance so that it becomes for people um, an attractive word that invites them into another kind of life and that invites them to become a, a more joyful, more loving, caring human being. Thank you for helping us to see the winsomeness of Jesus and his father. Uh, it's so, so beautiful. And just love that analogy from Dallas Willard that you're unpacking there. Yeah, turn, the, the banqueting room is, is available to you. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> That's what it means to repent. You know, th think again about how you're living your life here. And right. you've got a, a wonderful opportunity. Sure. So and good. sometimes people, you know, sometimes people may think I'm being soft here on the nature of wrongdoing or sin, but I'm not at all because I think that it's in the turning that we open our lives up to 
what I often see is the kind of expulsive power of God in our life, that, that as we turn into the kingdom, there is, an, there is a sense in which that which was attractive to us, but which was sabotage in our lives, that kind of gets expelled by the, by the love of Christ now, which has greater space uh, in our own lives. Well, you, like, like me, I think, have really been helped by Dallas in coming to understand a greater fullness of God's love for us and how that love is him really truly willing good for us, even in repentance, that it, it's really good for us. It's not this right. controlling, shaming, obey me right. type, type message. Right. It's not a bullying that we have right. to do this. And so that was so good. I appreciated the writings that you did in your book about God's love. And you even suggested as one of the seeking exercises, writing a beloved charter, right. you called it. I'd love for you to, to share your beloved charter with our uh, listeners, because uh, it really touched me. Uh, and also just you. unpack that idea a little bit more. It, it seemed mm. to me what you're talking about is it's kind of actually articulating maybe like a love letter from God to us to Absolutely. help us to uh, receive his love. Yes, Christy, I, uh, you know, especially within retreat settings uh, when people have got a bit of leisure time and are able to be quiet, I often encourage them, as I do in the book, to, to just go to those verses or phrases or images in the scriptures that really affirm their own belovedness. And I've been really struck over the years how the how the spirit you can take those words and really take them on that long journey from the head to the heart. Um, and even if we write out the beloved charter rather theoretically, um, the spirit I think just does a great job in taking that and taking those words and planting them uh, more deeply uh, in our hearts. So I did mine, I think for the first time, I think, I think I did mine about just on 30 years ago. Uh, and it's something I return to again and again. So may I share it? Please. And you'll notice the phrases of scripture as I read it. Mm -hmm. uh, Trevor, you're, you're my beloved child in whom I delight. Mm. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You are my friend. I formed your inward parts and I knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor and you've been created in christ jesus for good works which i have already prepared to be your way of life and when you pass through the waters uh, i will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you and when you walk through fire you shall not be burnt, and the flame shall not consume you. And you are precious in my sight, 
and honored and I love you and I know all your longings and your sign is not hidden from me and nothing will ever be able to separate you from my love in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Abide in my love. Well, that's worth the whole book right there. So good. I, I love the way you've taken scriptural truths and you're articulating them personally. And you're, it seems like you're practicing that as you continue to read that over these years, internalizing um, these truths. And I love the way that you mentioned in the book that God hasn't put those knitting needles away. <laughs> that sure. He is knitting in our womb. That was such a, a great point as well. Thank and you. that means a lot to me that God is that God's love is a creative love, not only in the past in the past tense, but really does, you know, is continually creating and forming mm -hmm. us even in the present. Mm -hmm. You know, similar to this, Trevor, you've got um, a great spot in the book where you uh, share a story about a groom who tells his bride about his great love that's actually not so great and so i just thought uh as christian and i talked about that we just thought wow that is just like such a an effective way to communicate how sometimes we just turn god's love into make we make it religious and stuffy and it's just sort of like theologically this is what he has to do but it's very uninspiring could you could you share that illustration with us i think i can it's you know I, it, it struck me that that if we were to picture a bride, a bridegroom making their vows to each other, and the bridegroom saying to the bride, um, uh, "I I I love you. I I care for you. I'm gonna um, love you through thick and thin, better better or worse," uh, and 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 then says to the bride at the end of that. I have no interest at all in what you want or your desires, and your only responsibility is to submit to what I want for you. Somehow that would be off key. And yet, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yet sometimes our default picture of God is exactly that. Mm -hmm. um, that we have a God who at one level says. I really do love you and expresses that love so powerfully for us in Christ. And then at another level says, I have no interest in your own desires and your own longings. And that somehow there's something off key uh, about that. Um, so that certainly that illustration has been helpful for me of just maybe spotting and noting sometimes when our picture of God, in fact, becomes unchristlike. Yeah, we just feel like being a disciple of Jesus, uh, living in His yoke, uh, is the best life. And ev every teaching from the Scripture, if we understand it rightly, it, it's going to sure. bring us joy. <laughs> sure. It's it's really good for us. Right. And so you're you're really bringing that home and. Uh, I just love in your book how you make uh, Dallas Willard uh, and St. Ignatius so accessible to people. And uh, this, the, the, the positivity, the, the, the winsome view of, of God and life with Jesus that, that both of these two great leaders have brought us. It's just, you're, you're really bringing the cookies down to the lower shelf, as we like to say, <laughs> book seeking God. So everybody can get some cookies now. So. <laughs> well, I hope so, you know. I think 
because I've spent most of my life, not, not no longer at the moment, but most of my life as a, as a pastor, um, I've, I've, I have wanted to make the treasures accessible. Uh, and often I keep my mom and dad in mind. They no longer physically um, with us. But my mom and dad always felt a little bit out of place at church. They always just felt the language was just, you know, just out of reach. And so whenever I write or whenever I speak, mom and dad are very close to me. And I'm always thinking to myself, I wonder if my mom and dad will understand what I'm saying now. Um, so thank you, Bill. Thank you. That's, I, that's a great encouragement. Oh, that's so good that you're really wanting to work this through your life personally. And then in love, you're, you're looking to help everyone be able to do the same too, which is what Jesus did. So thank you for that. Yeah, another thing that you write about in Seeking God is that Ignatius and Dallas both really give us great guidance in finding God in all things, in all places, and to really practice setting the Lord always before us. And I appreciated you kind of sharing some of the ways that you were finding that difficult and how you reached out to Dallas about your own journey and sought his help with how can I have more joy in Jesus? Sure. And he responded with some some great wisdom <laughs> and some practical help. But also I think he under he responded, his response shows his great knowledge of you and empathy and love for you too. And I'm just wondering, would you be willing to share Dallas' sure. response to you? Sure. Yes. And perhaps just, you know, a minute of the backstory. I think growing up in South Africa and um, I think and really feeling the weight uh, from a very young age of just the immense um, uh, levels of pain and suffering within our own context over the years for many different reasons. I think I, uh, my own default was I was quite I was very serious and almost felt that if I became too joyful, I would be kind of not fully um, maybe identifying with some of the pain and the heartache that there is around us all the time in this country. Um, and I, I shared that with Dallas, that I really... Uh, I, I really struggled with his, I think he says in the divine conspiracy, um, you know, God is the most joyful being mm -hmm. uh, there is. And I couldn't get my, and one day he said to me, Trevor, is your God gloomy? <laughs> which really, uh, which really got me, uh, you know, re rethinking um, uh, my own understanding of who God is for us. But in that letter, um, and, and I do have it here still. It's uh, it's a bit yellow. It's on yellow. The, the pages have gone a bit yellow. Um, and um, he, he wrote these words to me. Uh, he said, being, being discontent and always halfway disappointed is a part of who you are as a pilgrim of the earth. And I appreciated that. He, he kind of just acknowledged my struggle. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you are always going to feel like arrangements, whether family, church, or state, even children are sawdust and not bread. 
and very likely it derives from something not bad in your early experience that formed your feelings and sentiment and left a gap in your sensitivities. Something it would take a revelation from God to make you know and which you could do nothing about if you did know. Uh, introspectiveness is part of your nature, Trevor. It is not bad. Don't fight it. Find sources of joy and cultivate them. Invest in them, time and money. And this will also help you not to withdraw from Debbie. Debbie's the woman I'm married to. This will also help you not withdraw from Debbie, though you need, at times, you will need times away from you. And then he asked me this question. What things do you really enjoy? Things that have got nothing to do with family, work, or religion. Growth in Christ-likeness requires significant indirection. And I want you to write me about three sources of pure joy that you know from your past experience, especially from the period of when you were 12 to 16 years of age. And then, and I'm going to jump a little bit, just to one or two more lines. Uh, this I found very helpful. He said, you know, Trevor, we remain children, and the more we can enjoy it, enjoy that, the better. Mm. Certainly, God prefers it that way, as Jesus well understood. Here is my instruction to you. Preach three sermons on except ye repent and become like a little child. And I remember still doing that. I remember finding what I you know, really enjoyed as a teenager, and then I preached three sermons on becoming like a little child. And even now, this is the first time I, I'm seeing this, he's framing repentance in terms yeah. of becoming like a little child, yeah. recovering your sense of wonder and joy and spontaneity. Oh, so good. So, so warm hearted. And I, I love that he had you preach three sermons, not one or two, three, three, yes, three. Got to keep going, going deeper back into that, that yeah. child in your history and your heart and find the joy in there. And uh, one of Dallas's exercises that we actually uh, do and teach is, is to sometimes skip. And so we Right. <laughs> we have an exercise we do. We've done this in our Soul Shepherding Institute with the whole group. We've had 30, 40 uh, pastors and missionaries, and we've been skipping, skipping around the place. <laughs> Wonderful. Saying out with joy, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. I'm the disciple uh, Jesus loves. While we're skipping. And you can't help but smile and laugh and be uh, like a kid. And, and see, right. that's, that's what you're, you're getting at here in, in your book, right. Seeking God, and just this letter from Dallas, so precious, a, right. a real uh, classic, heartfelt right. letter of spiritual direction. Right. And uh, we just love the, the empathy that Dallas is giving you here. We personally experienced right. that from Dallas, each of us, sure. in times that we met with sure. him and talked with him. And it, it, it is just really a big part of the ministry of Jesus uh, and of God to us is that ten tender heart that really notices sure. each person and just the way the Lord through Dallas noticed you, Trevor, right where you were and put words to your experiences and your struggles in, in such an invitational way. 
a great gift. And one of the things that I remembered I loved doing when I was sick when I, when I was 16 was that I loved to go to parties and dance. And so one of the things now that has become a practice in our home is that Debbie and I both have got certain people that we like listening to. Uh, so whenever their songs come onto the radio, which is often playing uh, in our home, uh, we have got a commitment to meet in the kitchen and to dance. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. so it's uh, it's one of those practices that I, I really enjoy. Oh, that's great. Sometimes some of the best spiritual disciplines aren't spiritual disciplines that you'd find on a list. <laughs> and that's a, right. that's a great one of just connecting with Debbie and rejoicing in God's goodness together. I love that. And I love the way that you highlight God's goodness in this book and and the way that ignatius and dallas really saw his goodness and love and and responded in their seeking after god to his love and it's the same for us that it's like jesus and like scripture says we love because he first loved us sure. it's this life of seeking god is responding sure to him. it's a, right. an interactional ongoing intimate relationship and so Trevor, it's just been such an honor to have this time with you and our friends in Soul Shepherding and to hear a little bit of what you've gleaned from your life in God. Thank you. Would you be willing to pray for our friends here? That would be a deep privilege. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that in your risen and ascended presence that you are intimately available to each person uh, as we are joined together uh, in this way now. You know our deepest needs, you know where we feel most vulnerable and fragile at the moment, and we want to acknowledge that vulnerability and fragility to you and ask you, Lord Jesus, in your great love, in your great personal love, that we would know you in our own fragility as we most need to know your love at the moment. So may your blessing um, rest upon each one of us. May your blessing be uh, with, with Bill and with Christy and um, with the Soul Shepherding Ministry that has brought uh, much joy into the lives of, of many, many people. Thank you for who you are, Lord. We offer ourselves to you with all the love and longing of our own hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, friends, we've been talking with Trevor Hudson, author of a new book that you'll want to get. Uh, and it's an, a, a short read that right, gets right to your heart called Seeking God, Finding Another Kind of Life with St. Ignatius and Dallas Willard. We've got a link uh, in the show notes to this podcast, as always. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Trevor would love to hear from you. Anything we can do to help you in your journey with Jesus and your ministry with others. Uh, appreciate all of you listening so much. Thanks for being a part of uh, our Soul Talks podcast and our Soul Shepherding community. And Trevor, thank you again so much for your time, your heart, and all that you've poured into writing this book. We know we're, we're, we're writing another book right now on emotions and personality, and it is a labor of love, and your love has really come through in your book, Seeking God. 
And also, friends, if you would like more information and a journey with Jesus in Ignatius exercises, check out Soul Shepherding's Ignatian Meditation Guide and also some of our articles on soulshepherding.org. Or if you're wanting to talk through and unpack some of the things in Trevor's book, Seeking God with a Spiritual Director, you can go online to soulshepherding.org, click Individuals, and then Spiritual Direction. And then you can book an appointment with one of our spiritual directors who would be happy to journey with you as you're working through some of this rich content that Trevor's put together from the life of Ignatius and Dallas Willard. Thanks again, Trevor. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for your time uh, and for making this possible. It's hugely valued. Thank you each for seeking God together with us. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to tell you that we've created a new way for you to be in community with Christy and me and others from Soul Shepherding. It's called the Soul Shepherding Network, and it includes webinars, soul care groups, hundreds of resources, and connecting with other soul shepherds, small group leaders, spiritual directors, coaches, pastors, missionaries, and soul friends. This is the place for all our friends to gather and encourage one another. All you need to do is go to soulshepherding.org slash join the network. And the best part is you'll be joining the inner circle of soul shepherding for community and networking. So check us out at soulshepherding.org, join the network, or just go to the show notes for this episode and follow the link there. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.